This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome to another episode of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Matt Bovey, joined as always by Sal Capaccio, Bills beat reporter and sideline reporter for WGR. I'm over with Channel 7. Sal, do you remember, I don't know the episode it was, a few weeks ago I was talking about Puna Ford on the podcast. We didn't even know if he was signed with the Seahawks. We were looking it I up know. as the podcast was going on. We were like, we don't know. Well, Maybe I manifested this into happening. The Puna Ford coming to Buffalo. One-year deal. I love the move. I think it makes a ton of sense for them, Sale. I, I do, too. Um, so I, I need to get you one of these coffee mugs. See this right here? It's yeah. going to say, uh, because I'm a Bove, not because I'm a Capaccio, because you were right. You were talking about Puna Ford. Um, in case you can't, in case you're on the audio version, my brother got me a, something of coffee mug for christmas says of course i'm right i'm a capaccio it's right there on the video but that's you you were right you're a bove you were right about puna ford but um it was a great call by you to kind of bring him up i know he'd been talked about in other you know bills fans circles um i i had mentioned it before i just never thought it was really going to happen because it always seemed like he was earmarked to go back to the seattle seahawks so mm-hmm. what do we know about puna ford um he is an undersized as far as height defensive yeah. tackle but not as far as weight, 305, 310. He's an anchor. He can be right in the middle of your defense. He's really known more in his career as a run stopper, but he became a better pass rusher as his career went on. He came into the uh, Seahawks in 2018 as an undrafted free agent. And really in 2021, he started to show a lot of promise, even as a penetrating pass rusher. But what happened was, Matt, they flipped defenses from a 4-3 to a 3-4, and they didn't really know how to use him last year, and he didn't have a great year. His numbers were good. He had three sacks, but he didn't have the year he had the year before. And I think that's what kind of maybe dinged him as far as the free agent process was concerned, and he didn't maybe get the deal he wanted. He was still a free agent. But this is a guy going back to a 4-3 in Buffalo where he doesn't have to be a two-gap defensive tackle. He doesn't have to hold down two players in two gaps as a 3-4 lineman. He can be in a 4-3, and he can basically be one gap guy and he can penetrate and he can be really good against the run to help out those backers. Yeah. And when you talk about the evaluation, that was another reason why we never really knew if this was going to happen, because if you looked on spot track, he had a $9.2 million evaluation for his yearly contract that he was going to sign. We don't exactly know the details yet, but it certainly is not anywhere close to 9.2. And the reports out there from NFL network were that he wanted to come play for a Super Bowl contender, which is why he wanted to play for the bills. And listen, I know defensive tackle, this doesn't figure out and fix their problems long-term because it's just another one-year contract, but it's another body that can be in a rotation who's probably going to play a very prominent role within that rotation. 
Andy's only 27 years old. So if he comes here and he checks all of the boxes that you wanted him to check, there's no reason that he couldn't stick around and be part of the core moving forward. I think of it a little bit like Taylor Rapp. Like Taylor Rapp is coming here to get on the field, but also to probably play himself into a more prominent role down the road. And I kind of think Puna Ford is in that same boat, that if he could come here and if you see more from him than maybe you see from a couple of the other defensive tackles, maybe then you go, okay, guess what? Our future defensive tackle is going to be at Oliver, Puna Ford, and Daquan Jones for a couple more years. Or it's, you know, some other variation of the people that are under on the last year of these one-year contracts. So I really like the move because I think it gives them a type of player that they didn't currently have, and it lets them really lean into that rotation that they strive for. It's also depth. It's also really important depth. Look at the game against the Bengals when they didn't have Daquan Jones. It was very obvious that they were getting bullied at that line of scrimmage. This helps that. Yeah, isn't it funny how a couple weeks ago we had the GM himself saying if there's one spot where we're light beyond 2023 contractually, it's defensive tackle. So we all basically thought they're going to kind of set themselves up a little bit for the future at defensive tackle, draft somebody. They never drafted anybody. They still have everybody on a one-year deal, seven guys, and then they sign another one in Puna Ford save eight guys under contract all on one year deals. And it just seems like Brandon Bean, even though he said that Matt didn't force the issue, which I, which I like, they didn't say we have to get a defensive tackle. They said, Hey, if it happens, it happens. And we can maybe help ourselves for the future, but now you'll just kind of figure it out. And honestly, like some of these guys will be extended anyway. I think maybe Tim settled, maybe Daquan Jones, like you said, who knows about Ed Oliver. It's not trending that way. But if you look at the defensive tackle spot now, I don't know, Matt, like this is interesting. Does this come down to Puna Ford against Jordan Phillips for a, a roster spot? Because they've kept five, they can, and maybe they do, but traditionally they keep four defensive tackles and they do rotate, but I would say five of them could be likely here. But if you're coming down to four, this is some serious competition. I don't think there's any way Puna Ford is coming to this team unless he knows for sure he's making the roster. I think he could even go and, you know, get banged up or have a bad training camp. Like he's still going to be on the 53 man roster. So I would say I'm trending towards them keeping five, but that also brings us to a really interesting kind of conversation of what other positions or where, where are you going to take one player from if you're going to keep that extra defensive tackle and one of those positions is running back, which also became that much more interesting really this week with the addition of Latavius Murray. Cause I don't think he's quite to the level that Puna Ford is like locked to make the roster, but I still, I don't think Latavius Murray is coming here and signing like Duke Johnson did last year as just a flyer. And you'll see what happens. Like I think Latavius Murray, it seems like probably had some interest elsewhere and given his production last year, it looks like he can still play. So I'm not saying that he's a lock to make the team, but I think he will. Latavius, that is. Yes. It's interesting. My co-host, Jody Biasi, and I did a projected 53-man roster um, the day after they signed Latavius, but before we knew they signed Puna Ford, and we didn't even have Puna Ford on the list because he wasn't there yet, and obviously we would probably both put him on. And it's a fun exercise to do because, A, you realize how good this roster still really is, right, Matt? Like, they still are yeah. very good. They are very deep. But it came down to us for the last spot between Latavius Murray and Cam Lewis. And I don't disagree with you. I think it's hard for me to keep Latavius Murray off this roster. I think it's a numbers game, though. So what I do see could possibly happen here is I don't think Latavius Murray, if you release him at the end of training camp, is going to go somewhere else. You can pretty easily get him on the practice squad. You know what I mean? Like, I think that can happen. 
Whereas a guy like, for example, Cam Lewis, a younger guy in your system, like that's the kind of guy. Now, he wouldn't be subject to waivers. I think he's been in the league four years now. But those are the kind of guys that maybe another team says, you know, we'll give you a better opportunity. So what I could see happening is a guy like Latavius gets released, resigns to the practice squad because it's so big now and they can have all these veterans now. And then you just elevate him when you need. He's your Duke Johnson, essentially, from last year. And he becomes a by-game decision. And if you need him one game, you elevate him. You need another game, you elevate him. Eventually, you may have to put him on the 53-man roster. But it's not a pressing need. I, I don't disagree that he's sitting right there and he looks like a real good fit to be on the 53. But I also don't think there's much risk in saying, hey, we'll kind of stash on the practice squad and bring you up when needed. Because... He seems to me to just fit, fit a specific role they're looking for. Short yardage, bigger back, something that they struggled with last year. I know they signed Damian Harris, but Damian Harris isn't Latavius Murray. Damian Harris is 5'11". Mm-hmm. He's got some power. He's a physical runner. He's got some speed. Latavius Murray, to me, is we have this guy for certain situations, and I don't know as a 33-year-old how much you can justify every single game getting a jersey for that. It's tough. And I hear what you're saying, but I think Latavius Murray is a lot closer to being a legitimate option for their offense than Duke Johnson ever was last year. I mean, Latavius Murray had 700 yards in 12 games last year with the Broncos. It is not like that was an absolute unit of a team and he was just getting garbage yards like he was playing. He was the number two guy, right? Wouldn't he be the number three guy here? I guess it kind of depends on what they think of the running back position, what they think of James Cook, what they think Damian Harris is going to be for them. I've said on the podcast before, I think there's a route for Damian Harris to be the Bills' number one running back this year, and James Cook still continues to kind of be utilized less than people want him to be. So it really just depends on that. It depends on James Cook. Damian Harris has also had health issues. That's a reason why he was probably even available in the first place, because he's had some years where he gets banged up and he doesn't play a ton of games. Latavius Murray is a little bit of an insurance piece for that. It's interesting. Whether, but whether it's one or two or two and one with Cook and Harris, Latavius is three, right? Well, then you go to Naheem Hines, probably. Right. Yeah. So, so I guess this is my issue. How, how do you how do you keep them all at that position? Now, look, they kept four last year because Taiwan was strictly for special teams. I could mm-hmm. see it this way. Naheem Hines is your Taiwan Jones. He's just a different special teams guy. He's a returner, not a gunner. But mm-hmm. That's how, I think that's the path I think Latavius has to be on. But to me, it's just about numbers. I don't know how you can – because Naeem Hines is, is playing. James yes. Cook is playing. The, Damian Harris is playing. Reggie Gilliam factors into this, right? I just – I don't know where how you have enough for these numbers. It's a good problem to have, and yeah. I think Latavius Murray is a good player to have on the roster. I just wonder how it all shakes out in the end. Then I think you go to the wide receivers, which is the natural – or even to the tight ends and see who is going to be actually active on game day. So, like, here are the wide receivers that are definitely going to make the team. It's Stephon Diggs, it's Gabe Davis, it's Trent Sherfield, it's Deontay Hardy. And then after that, am I missing anybody? Yes, Khalil Shakir. Oh, Khalil Shakir. Okay, so those are the five that I would say, okay, they're definitely making the team. And I think Justin Shorter will, based off of what Brandon Bean said about him. But I don't think you need to have more than five of those guys active on any given day. And at tight end, I know he made it last year. Are we saying it's rock solid, a lock that Quentin Morris is making this team? No, no, I didn't have him on my 53 projection. In fact, I will tell you on the 53 projection that I did with with Joe, that was one of the biggest pushbacks that I got was, well, wait a minute. 
Dalton Kincaid is not a traditional tight end. And if you're going to run these, this 12 personnel, you got to have another tight end. So therefore it's Quentin Morris. I don't know if that's true because to me, if Dalton Kincaid is on the field for what 50% of the snaps, I think that's reasonable. Dawson Mm -hmm. Knox is playing quite a bit. Where does the other tight end even fit into play? Quentin Morris can play special teams, but at some point you have to cut it off and say, you just can't have that many people. There's not enough spots. Yeah, so that's the thing that I always come back to. It's like, if you're going to keep three tight ends on your 53-man roster, then I don't know how you keep four running backs and six wide receivers. The math just becomes way too complicated at that point. The only thing that makes it a little bit more feasible is, like you said, there's not a Taiwan Jones in the running back room who's active on game days just for strictly special teams. And I don't know exactly how you replace that role. You use Naheem Hines as your punt returner, I but, think the real. I think it's. I think it's Justin Shorter is how you replace it. What you just said. I think that's why he makes it. That's a good point. That's interesting. But I also don't even know if Naheem Hines is going to strictly be because you also have Deontay Hardy. Like Deontay Hardy was an All Pro a couple of years ago as a returner. Do you separate the responsibilities? Is Hines do punts and Hardy does kicks, or vice versa? Hines does kicks and Hardy does punts. I don't know exactly what they want to do. It well, does give them though the luxury of having a couple options because yes. in years past, it's just like roll Micah Hyde out there. And then last year, Micah Hyde was not available, which became a little bit of a concern. Like those punts would be in the air and you would be like, eh, I don't know if they're going to make the catch and just do something and not be dumb. Well, I think we have to go back to something Brandon Bean said when they, tr- when they signed Sherfield, he said, we see him as a number four receiver. I think they, I think Hines is your primary return man because he's not going to be expected to be one of your top two running backs. Whereas Sherfield is one of your top four wide receivers. He said he's our number four. So I think that gets me more to Hines becoming the main guy, but Sherfield's certainly somebody that you can rely on if you need to, you know, you never hope it happens, but injuries do happen. So he's right there as well. I think it's super interesting how all of this shapes up. And again, I'll go back to, I think at the end of the day, if you do this exercise, you look at the Bills 53, you have to make some tough decisions. And one thing that stands out, Matt, is they're still a really good roster. Like this, yeah. the back end of this roster is still way better than most teams back end. Yeah. I mean, look at the players that we're talking about potentially battling for roster spots. I mean, right. I, I don't think this is the case, but we were just saying Puna Ford and Jordan Phillips. Then we were talking about Quentin Morris. Then we were talking about Latavius Murray. These are guys who could walk onto a lot of other teams and probably play significant snaps, let alone just be on their roster. I do think there are a couple spots where they're still a bit thin, and that's a bit concerning for me. I would say linebackers probably top of mind, and it's not necessarily thin from a number standpoint. It's thin from just a experience and starting standpoint, because besides Matt Milano, there are still a lot of questions with all of those other guys and somebody, one of them is going to be on the field. So I guess the concern going into the offseason, into minicamp, into training camp is even if one of those guys solidifies their spot as a starter, what is the depth behind them look like if something happens? Or what if something happens to Matt Milano? Because then you're rolling out two linebackers who probably would not have been on the field in any other circumstance last year. And I don't know who you feel the most comfortable about. I mean, I don't even know... Who's the leader in the clubhouse right now? Is it Dodson? Is it Bernard? Didn't Bean mention Dodson as 
literally that the leader in the clubhouse, like after the, after the draft, I don't know how, how much that's, you know, stock that is because he's just, he's more of a veteran guy. He's got the experience. Maybe that's why it happens. I'm glad you brought this up though. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about the linebackers because this really fits perfectly into something Brandon Bean said this week that maybe might give us some clues. 